Welcome to Tap the Craft, an informational podcast about craft beer targeting the everyday beer drinker. My name is Denny Luce, and joining me tonight is my co-host and drinking buddy, John Ream. How are you doing tonight, John? I'm doing really well. Brewed a beer today, been drinking all day, so it's about time we talk about some beer, too. All right. Well, you're primed and ready to go. Let's tell the listeners what this show is all about. John and I, we are craft beer enthusiasts. That means we enjoy drinking, we enjoy learning about and talking about craft beer. We are enthusiasts, not experts, so we may, well, at times put our opinions into uh, onto the show instead of mere fact. And if we do that, you know what? Hey, call us out right into the show and let us know that we made a mistake. We don't mind that. We are all human. Uh, we do the show talking in layman terms, meaning, hey, we don't want to talk at a high level to our listeners. We want our listeners to understand on basic terms, you know, everyday terms, so that you guys can can really learn the hobby and not feel like you have to uh, be a science, a rocket science or, or some kind of uh, professor to actually understand this hobby. And the reason why we do this is we want you guys all to become craft beer enthusiasts too. And if we can help you with in your path, then hey, then everyone wins. So we, like I mentioned before, we encourage all of our listeners to write into the show. We want you to provide your experiences and your knowledge to kind of, uh, you know, help us and help all the listeners out there learn more about beer. We don't know everything, so we expect that anything that you guys can provide will help everyone out. And, again, if we were to make a mistake and you wanted to write in and say, hey, you guys are full of crap, hey, go right ahead. We will accept it, and but we will counter your uh, comments, I'm sure, because, you know, John is an expert more than I. <laughs> Yeah, let's let's not get too carried away with that. Okay, it's okay. <laughs> no problem. So we've been doing this show. This is our ninth episode, and we are encouraging our listeners to uh, help us out in promoting the show and getting other listeners to find the show on iTunes. If you guys would, uh, would, wouldn't mind just jumping onto iTunes and just writing a quick little review, tell, tell other people what you like about the show or what we can do to improve it and give us a little rating. That might help us be seen more on iTunes and get this podcast out to more people. So we just want to throw a little plug out there for all you guys. All right, this is episode nine, and we're recording this show on Sunday, November 23rd, 2014. And uh, in this episode, we're going to discuss a few things. For one, we do have another listener uh, provide a question from Twitter, and this question is dealing about pairing foods with beer. So a uh, nice little uh, question there that, that John will be helping us answer. Uh, we're also going to talk about uh, the, our Brew Buzz segment will be on cellaring craft beer. Uh, you know, storing craft beer for uh, aging and drinking at a later date to see what happens when the beer ages and, uh, and what you can expect from that aged beer. And, of course, as we've mentioned in the last two shows, this uh, show we will be drinking an old Rasputin Rus- Russian Imperial Stout, and we'll be doing that along with you. So I encourage everyone, hopefully you guys have had two, well, actually you almost had a month to prepare for this. So hopefully you have at least one bottle of Old Rasputin Imperial Stout ready to go so that when we start our segment, you guys can pour your glass and do your tasting notes right along with us. And of course, during those tasting notes, we'll also kind of touch on what a Russian Imperial Stout style is all about with some style notes. And you know what? It's happy hour. 
I mean, I think it's been happy hour for John all day. But hey, for the show, it's happy hour. And and a craft beer show wouldn't be much of a craft beer show if we didn't drink some beer while we're doing it. So, John, are you still drinking beer? I am. So, yeah, I've been drinking uh, since pretty much noon, uh, so the last eight hours or so. Uh, but now I'm taking a little easier. got a Sam Adams Boston Lager. So okay. I'll, uh, you know, not completely wreck my palate before we get to the tasting and maybe give it a little break okay for, for how today is gone that yeah, no problem i understand it's going to tone it down just a bit and then ease right into that uh, heavy heavy stout we're gonna be drinking later i'm also exactly. yeah i'm also easing into it i i had a rush i had one of the old rasputins earlier today uh, along with some lagers and i'm, I'm sticking with the lager right now i'm drinking full cell Session Fest Red Lager. This is only available during the the winter months from Full Sail Brewing out of Hood River, Oregon. And uh, I had a little story about this beer. I I found this in the the supermarket last week in preparation to going to a poker game. And I thought, wow, you know what? It's great to have a session lager. And I love the the red lager. It only comes out once a a short time during the year. So I just picked up the 12-pack without even thinking about whether or not, you know, it says session on it, so it's got to be a session lager. Well, guess what? I uh, start drinking a few of these, and I realize, like, after four, that, man, uh, my eyes are starting to get a little fuzzy. Uh, These things go down really, really smooth. Uh, It doesn't taste like it's a heavy alcohol beer. And then I all of a sudden, while I still was kind of can focus on, on the lettering on the bottle, I look at it, and guess what? This is not much of a session beer. This is a 6.2% lager, and uh, I was shocked. Wow. I was yeah, they hoodwinked you with that one. They did, <laughs> because I'll tell you, this beer is so damn smooth, and it goes down so quickly that you could easily drink four in a very short period and lose track of, of what's going on. So I do not recommend you take this beer to a poker game if you want to stay cognizant and focused on your hands, because it will end up... Uh, you know, putting a hurting on you. So th- you said this is a, a winter beer that they do. So they put this out along with the wassail. Are these both kind of this time of year? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They come out the same time, right at the, at the fall, right at the end of, well, I guess mid to end of fall. And they only stay a short time. I, I don't think you'll find the, at least I don't, I can, I usually only can buy one 12 pack of this session fest because you know, it's like a short, small window when it's available, and it's and then once it's gone, it's gone. So it's literally just in the winter months, and maybe in Oregon, uh, you know, maybe it's around more there. But in my area, it's like I said, it's a very, it's it's maybe if you're you're lucky to be able to find it for a, a four week period during during the end of the year. So you you should look for it, John. If you haven't, have you had the session fest at ever? I don't think I have, no, and I, I haven't seen it this year, so I might have missed it, uh, but I'll be keeping an eye out for it now. Yeah, yeah, it's it's worth, I think it's worth drinking. It's, I, I mean, it's, I never really heard of a red lager. I mean, I, I mean, I'm sure there's red lagers, but it's not one that's really kind of a, a you know, a well-known lager style, or just red lager, but Session Fest, go get it. It's cheap. It's like, uh, it's like uh, 11 bucks for a 12-pack. And it's good beer, and it's six point two, so you're gonna get a buzz off of four beers. So do it. All right, John. Hey, are you ready to uh, get a listener question? 
I am. All right. So from Twitter, again, we have our good buddy. He, he goes by his, his Twitter tag is TPS Sponge, also known as uh, you guys Chew Your Beer and Sponge Bobbies is what you can find him on, on Twitter. And he asked this question. Does food enhance the flavor of beers? If so, can you pair a style of beer with a dish? And he gives an example like a lager and pepperoni pizza. So I've already talked to John about this, and I mentioned to him that, you know, I'm, I'm really the wrong person to ask about beer and food because I typically do not mix the two. I mean, on occasion I will, but I don't – if I'm drinking – Beers that I really want to, uh, you know, get a good flavor for and, and get a good idea of the taste. I try to do it without, you know, messing up my palate with food that could change the flavor. And I might, you know, give a beer a bad rating or or something because I had a, you know, something spicy or something that was sweet or whatever, and it really kind of changed the flavor. So I don't really do this, but luckily, you know, John he likes to drink beer and eat. So what what do you got an answer? For? for old sponge bobbies so the short answer for you know does food enhance flavor and can you pair is yes beer and food go together very well i think a lot of people associate food pairing with wine mm-hmm. um you know that's you know wine dinners and you know pairings with wine and i, I you know i think people are very comfortable with that uh but personally I, I think beer goes better with food than wine because beer has a much larger uh, breadth of flavors and aromas that can be brought into the picture, where wine is mostly fruits. Um, you know, not it. Do, it doesn't have the same depth, I don't think, mm-hmm. um, that that beer does. So, um, I I personally recommend trying it, um, and you know, just I'll give you a couple of things to think about uh, as you do it. So. Uh, any kind of food pairing that you want to do, you're you're thinking about either complementing or contrasting with your your beer and, and your food. Um, so you want to think about the flavors that, that you're going to have in the beer. Think about what you're going to have in the food and how do they play together. So uh, a complementing pairing uh, would be where the, the flavor profiles are similar. So they both have kind of, kind of a sweetness or a bitterness or a spiciness, that kind of thing. And a contrasting is where they're different. So uh, I'm just going to use the the pepperoni pizza that uh, SpongeBobby's put as his example in the question. If we wanted to complement that pizza uh, with a beer, uh, you could do something like an IPA. You know, you're going to have some spiciness from the pepperoni, and the bitterness and the sharpness of the hops uh, in that IPA would kind of enhance those those flavors mm-hmm. uh, from the pepperoni. So the only the only thing you have to be careful of with uh, with that is that you're not uh, taking two really intense things and putting them together. If your pepperoni is really spicy and your IPA is really bitter and, and sharp, then they could complement each other to the point where it actually creates a clashing. Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't want it to become too intense uh, that that it's just not pleasant anymore. On the, on the flip side of that, a, a contrasting pairing for that pepperoni pizza would be like a, a sweeter or malty beer. Uh, and a lager could work, uh, like like you said. Uh, I personally would go with something like a, a brown ale, um, mm-hmm. or maybe an oatmeal stout, something that's not too roasty, but really smooth. 
So those those beers would play up uh, more of the crust. They have they have some of that bready notes and the sweetness would kind of play up the sauce uh, and the pizza, and that kind of balance out the pepperoni. And so that kind of you know they they play well together, but it doesn't it's not really intense, and so your palate's still kind of clean uh, at the end of your of your bite there. So that that's what I would personally do with a pizza um, if I was in the mood to, to really focus on, on pairing, but I I just experiment with, uh, with what, what you want to drink and eat. And I mean, just thinking about what you're, what you're tasting in both of them, you know, I think will just enhance your experience. Even if they don't, if you find they don't go together, just the fact that you you put the time into, to really taste them and think about it, uh, it's going to help you as you go forward with your, your beer and food, uh, as well. Well, you know, John, uh, this is one of those uh, topics that really, it's hard to sum up in a, in a small little uh, segment. We may need to expound on this a little bit more in the, in the next future shows. Maybe we can we can start adding just uh, maybe one food pairing thing that we can, you know, per episode for the next few episodes just to get an idea, our listeners get an idea of, hey, what kinds of food can you mix with with beer? And, you know, right now, like, like this one, we did pizza, pepperoni, pizza, and you, you covered a great, uh, you know, the, the, the contrasting and the and the oh, complimenting. Funny. Yeah, I just yeah. lost that word out of my head. <laughs> I'm like, I contrast. Yeah, but what's, what's, yeah, complimenting. And you did a good job of that. Let's, let's try to do a, a few more and try some other common foods, you know, burgers, maybe some Mexican food, maybe some desserts. And and that might be a nice little small segment we can do in the next uh, few episodes to give people an idea of of how beer can can influence their or help or how food can influence their beer and, and make it uh, better. So. Yeah, we could definitely do that. All right, excellent. Now that I'm tongue tied, I guess you know I haven't been drinking as much as you, but you know what? When you start adding these higher octane beers. I swear my tongue gets tied in knots, so <laughs> hopefully as I talk more, it'll loosen up. Uh, no pun intended with my name, I guess, but all right. Uh, well, uh, hey, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, guess what, guys? It's time for the Brew Buzz, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the Brew Buzz, it's, uh, it's our segment that's devoted to discussing various beer-related topics, and this week, as we mentioned earlier in the show, we're going to talk about the cellaring process of craft beer, and what we can expect as the beer ages. So I'm going to go ahead and take lead on this because I kind of wrote wrote my own notes. And for one thing, I absolutely love saving beers and, and seeing how they change over years. I've been doing it for a number of years, and so I've got a little bit of, of experience with this. And I'm sure John, he'll be able to throw in you know a lot of his experiences too and, and correct me if I'm doing things wrong because I, I'm not an expert on cellaring and I've had some good experiences and some bad experiences in doing it. So I'm sure John might be able to have some, some advice to help me out and help you guys out too. So the first choice or the first thing about cellaring is, Hey, to seller or not to seller. That's the, that is the question. And uh, there's no right answer. I don't think, I think there's different opinions. Uh, some, some people argue that, Hey, when that brewer releases that beer, the brewer is releasing it at the peak of its perfection in their mind, right? They're not going to release a beer that's bad. And so a lot of people argue that, hey, you know what? 
you shouldn't age a beer because the brewer intended the beer to be tasted the way that he released it to you to drink and 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 that's respect their wishes and and drink it fresh you know at release and then others you know even some brewers they actually encourage the consumer to go ahead and experiment with their beers and see what effects you know happen to and how the tastes are are changed over time one example of this is you know one of the breweries that we mention all the time on the show is stone brewing uh, they actually did a very good series of beers that was called um, the Vertical Epic series. And they took 10 beers that were created from 2002 until 2012. And each year they created a beer. And that beer that they created was, you know, you what they encouraged people to do was actually drink it fresh and then save a bottle for the next year and try it, you know, the next year. Or even save a case of it and try it over the 10-year ten, the ten period. But... Um, I mean that's a little expensive because these aren't these weren't cheap beers. Either. I think they were like eight dollar beers a piece. And I was lucky enough to be able to to sample. I think I did at least six of the ten, maybe eight of the ten. I can't remember. I've done a lot of them, and I only was able to actually sell her these over you know, over a year period. I did. I think I did two or three of them that I actually bought more than one bottle and I saved them for a year and tried them out and. Uh, each of these beers were different. You know, they weren't the same beer each year. They were a different beer, but the beers were all designed to have one thing in common. And that common thing was, hey, they should. They're they're not they're not Stone's normal beers that they brew that have to be you know drank fresh. These beers were all designed to be able to be saved and and done and and used as a vertical. What do they call that? A vertical tasting. Yeah, vertical tasting. Ver- vertical tasting over the years. And in my area, some of the bars, you know, Stone has come into the Boise area, and they, especially in uh, 2012 when the last one came, and they actually brought almost all the beers that they had done. I think they went from 2004 until 2000. I think they did eight of the ten. And they actually did vertical tastings at these bars that you could pay and, and be a part of that, that tasting. Now, I'm a little too cheap to I don't know what it was, like 50 bucks or something like that to be a part of this tasting. A little bit rich for my blood, but hey, if you're well, into that, what's yeah, that? Yeah, a lot cheaper than uh, buying all 10, though, and aging them yourself. So That's true. <laughs> That's true. And you get and you get the immediate satisfaction of tasting how these beers change, you know, each of these beers over the years. So, um, so yeah, that, that, so some brewers actually encourage uh, you, you to sell their, like, like Stone. Yeah, Stone actually has another example of this, and I I think we've talked about it recently. But they, you know, they do their enjoy buy IPA where they want you to drink it, you know, within 30 days. Mm-hmm. But they recently uh, released a, a drink after uh, beer uh, that they wanted you to not to drink for a year. Yeah, I, I believe was the time frame on it. So you know, I think they're all about the this kind of you know drinking the beer at its peak because you know. The argument that uh, when a brewer re- releases a beer, it's at its best and you should drink it is not necessarily true because it's expensive for them to hold on to all these beers themselves. It requires a lot of uh, space and you know cooling power and mm-hmm. everything else. So it, it's they they can't necessarily release, release every beer at its peak uh, time. So um, it, I think it's use your best judgment. Uh, for, for that kind of thing, but uh, you know, 
to each their own. If you want to drink it all fresh, then by all means, go do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I I like drinking them fresh, but I mean, when when I tell people that I, you know, like right now I have, I think my the beers I have saving right now, I think I have like ten beers that are at various stages of my of my selling. Normally, I do for one year. There's some beers that I'll do for two years, but I'll I'll buy. I'll buy more than, than two. I'll buy three, and I'll actually save. I'll drink one fresh, one in one year, and then one in two years. And I'm, and the ones I do that are typically, like I don't know, maybe I should save the ones I do for the end. I can give some examples, but there's some that are really good at aging. You know, Deschutes. I'll just tell them right now. Why not? I'm going to spoil it for you. Deschutes Black Butte Porter uh, Anniversary Porter is a great one to age because it's. Great fresh, but as it ages, it the it, it kind of it a lot of those flavors come out. And it mellows it out a little bit, and it's just a lot smoother as it ages. And I've got every year I buy two. I drink one fresh to see what it tastes like fresh, and it's always good fresh. And I the next year, like I have the the 25th anniversary, I'm getting ready to pop open probably for Thanksgiving. I think about Thanksgiving time is when I I drink that one. I'll pour it out. And I'll drink it with my friends, whoever is over here for Thanksgiving dinner, and we'll have a treat. And it's it's just a wonderful beer. So that's an example of one that, you know, that every year I look forward to aging. You know, grabbing a couple bottles and aging. And those are fifteen dollar a bottle beers, right? They're they're not cheap. They're they're very expensive. Yeah, I have a couple of those too. A couple of different years. Yeah. In the fridge waiting. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just bought now. I just bought the twenty sixth anniversary too. That. Um, that I'm, I bought one bottle that, and I'm waiting to see if I can get it on tap. If I can get it on tap, then I'll just buy one, and then drink it on tap to get the taste for the 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 year. But if I can't get it on tap, then I end up buying more than one bottle. But that's, I mean, that's a thirty dollar investment right away, and then you got to wait a year to to get back some of that goodness. But it's the thing I do. It's what I do. So uh, one thing I want to I want to reiterate or let you guys know is that hey, there's no guarantee that when you age a beer, that it will be better than the fresh version. Uh, even when you have beers that are meant to be aged, as we mentioned last week in our beer freshness, there's a lot of things that can go into changing that beer flavor for the negative. And if it, you know, oxidation is one that can, you know, that you can't control if there's, you know, if it's, if your cap is leaking through and it's getting oxidized, it's going to change the flavor and it may not be to what you're expecting. So you do this on your own, own risk. You know, don't blame us if you age a beer and it turns out bad. You know that there's a risk that even a, a beer meant to be aged can still come out with a negative effect if it's not, you know, bottled correctly or prepared correctly or your, your uh, storage is not ideal. It can still give you some negative effects. Yeah, and uh, just to add to that, uh, <clears throat> if you start getting into aging uh, sour beers as well uh if you have a couple or you know more than one beer that you're saving you pop one open six 12 months down the road and it it's really bad don't think you need to toss everything else i've heard that with sour beers in particular they can go through peaks and valleys mm. and just because it's bad then doesn't mean it's not going to reach another peak um with the th- those beers are are absolutely living there are are you know bacteria and yeast still going in those mm-hmm. so uh there's more than just oxidation and everything else we've discussed in the past so 
don't don't give up on them if you if you get a bad one let the others sit for a little while if you try it again it's still bad then maybe it's it's time to give up on it but um <laughs> don't don't give up at the first sign of of something going wrong in a sour so oh yeah yeah i've got uh i've got a number of sours that i'm saving now the problem is i only have one of each so if it does go bad i'll be pissed off because <laughs> because i i did have them fresh when we went to in the russian river beers and we had them fresh when we had and they were fantastic fresh and now i'm just aging them for a year to see how they taste when they get a little older so uh i'm, I'm throwing a dice because they were I, some of these bottles were 14 dollars for a 12 ounce bottle so i mean that's expensive beer to be making you know taking a risk like that but hey well unfortunately a lot of the beers that you want to take a risk on are are tend to be a little pricier so yeah it's (laughs) risk reward i guess (laughs) yeah all right well hey we've been talking about the selling process well hey let's start talking about different aspects of what makes you know how to find or pick a beer that would be good for selling so the first thing is hey what beer styles are best for selling and i don't I, i don't know i didn't you know i forgot to actually list the styles themselves and john maybe you can you know, uh, what, what styles, like just beer styles are, are best for cellaring? Uh, so just in general, a lot of the, uh, you know, things like barley wines, uh, mm-hmm. Russian Imperial stouts, uh, some of the, uh, the larger Belgian beers, yeah. uh, sour beers, uh, some, but some quads maybe. Yeah. Triples, quads, that, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Um, but, uh, you know, th- that's not necessarily meaning you can't age something outside of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a number of things. And we, we talked about a, a couple of them last week. I think people will recognize uh, some of these triggers for things that help beer, you know, stay, I won't say fresh as you're cellaring, but stay, you know, good, yeah. <laughs> for yeah. lack of a better word. Yeah, okay. Good, excellent. Yeah, so one of the things that, as what John just mentioned, all those beer, beer styles he mentioned, they all have one thing in common. They're typically at a higher alcohol level, and the the ideal range for consideration for cellaring is anything over seven percent ABV. Is typically, you know, you, you want to have it high. What's the do you, John? Do you have the the science behind why the higher ABV is preferred for aging i don't know the science behind that i just don't know if you know uh science uh well i'm not i don't know that i can get into not know, not the details scientific but just definition but, but uh if you think about it <clears throat> we use alcohol to clean things you know mm-hmm. really high uh, percentage alcohol so a lot of organisms can't live in an environment with uh, a higher concentration oh. of alcohol so okay. um the higher alcohol helps suppress any kind of uh organism that could be detrimental to the beer okay excellent that's good enough i accept that uh (laughs) any of our listeners who have the science for sure that we you know enlighten us i think john's explanation is is valid but if there's more science to it let us know no problem but that makes sense it makes sense that yeah things don't live in in a high alcohol environment as well so the other thing is is the styles all those styles typically have strong flavors especially dark roasted malts or smoked malts those make for really good cellaring beers because again those flavors are usually pretty strong you know right up front and they'll 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 kind of you know mellow out a little bit as as they age 
uh, especially the smoked malts. You know, a lot of times, uh, for me, a smoked beer fresh is almost too smoky on on some things. You let it age a little bit, it kind of makes that smoke more, you know, more palatable to me. You know, it's not so in my face and, 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 and you know, mellows it out a bit. Yeah, I think smoke is one of those uh, really dividing uh, mm-hmm. characteristics of, of beer. People either love it or they hate it. Yeah. Um, but to give a little bit of uh, the reasoning behind some of this, uh, these dark malts actually help suppress uh, oxidation and, or slow it down. Uh, so it, it it keeps the beer from from turning uh, as quickly. So okay. that's kind of the, the reasoning behind that. Excellent. Well, good. That's good. Good information. Good information. The other, some here's some other signs of beers that might be good. Maybe you were uh, you're looking at this. You know, we got the idea of the different styles. We know okay, anything over seven percent. Okay, uh, dark. You know, dark malts. That's good. But hey, another sign is hey, if you see a beer that has a wax coating on the over the cap, not guaranteed that that brewer did it because he was expecting to be cellared. It may just be because they just said, hey, that was pretty cool. I want to do it. But <laughs> nine out of ten times, that brewer knows that, hey, this beer can be cellared. And we're going to go ahead and, and I don't know how well it works, but, you know, the they I've heard that if you put wax over that, it helps, re, you know, prevent, kind of block out some of that oxygen from getting into the cap a little bit longer. Is, is that right, John, that the wax actually helps keep out some of that oxidation? Right, yeah, that's the idea behind it. Okay. It keeps the oxygen out, which obviously uh, slows down oxidation rates inside the beer. So. Okay, yeah. So, hey, if it has a wax coating, check the other things. Check the style, check the alcohol. And then if it if it pans out, if it, just, if it doesn't say IPA on it, then you're good, right? If someone <laughs> puts a wax coating on an IPA thing, then just uh, dismiss that brewery. I think they somebody accidentally waxed that uh, that <laughs> bottle, so can't say i've ever seen that but <laughs> yeah just, yeah but you know it's stranger things have happened i don't know i i just want to make sure that our listeners don't look at every single wax bottle and say that's got to be good for selling because maybe there you know some crazy brewer decided to do something weird but another another sign is hey a lot of these beers that are made to be cellared will typically a lot of them will have a cork and caged top like a champagne bottle and uh, that's another sign that, hey, you know what? That beer might be good for cellaring. And I know a lot of the quads and a lot of the sours come that way. And, John, again, I'm ignorant in this fact, but I'm assuming that the cork in the cage is to, you know, is to help, uh, um, you know, keep that cork on there somewhat. So it doesn't, you know, if it does build up pressure, maybe it's not going to blow it off. Or what's – is there well, – the cork and cage, I think, is usually uh, there for beers that have a higher carbonation level okay. than uh, than normal. Okay. Um, but I don't know necessarily that a cork would uh, help oxidation-wise. I mean, yeah. obviously, a cork is porous. I mean, that's why wine ages the way it does. You know, the, the oxidation, oxygen is coming through the cork. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, yeah I, I'm not uh, fully versed on that, but I think that is more due to a high carbonation level. Okay, that uh, makes, than, that makes sense. Than a an oxygen prevention thing. Okay, so. sounds good. Sounds good. All right, so those are those are kind of how you can find beers that that might be suitable for cellaring. Now, once you find the beer, kind of like what we talked about last episode with the you know the proper storage. Let's let's talk about 
how you're going to, when you bring this beer home, you bought it, you want to age it, you bring it home, how are you going to store it? And again, number one important thing is keep the thing out of light. Don't put it in light. Put it in a dark, lightless, you know, area that's not going to be prone to getting a lot of light or heat uh, in it. Just like we, the darker the better. Just like we said last week, you want to keep it cold, but you don't want to freeze it. So uh, you want to maintain about 50 to 60 degrees is, is optimum. And you want to make sure that, that that temperature doesn't fluctuate more than five degrees over, you know, over the year. So try to keep it, you know, in a spot that stays consistent year round. Yeah. And just like we talked about last week, you know, the hotter it is, the faster uh, things are going to change. So if you have a beer that's at 60 degrees, it's going to go through these processes uh, faster than if you're cellaring at 40 degrees. True. So you may you may want to accelerate the speed that you try them, you know, yeah. <laughs> six months instead of a year or something, you know, like that. Uh, if, if you're only able to cellar at 60 degrees rather than 50 or 40. Yeah. So keep that in mind as you, as you do, uh, cellar your beer. For sure. For sure. You also, you want to keep the bottles upright and you don't want to have them moved around a lot. And a lot of this is, is, is basically because uh, you you want to make sure that you keep that sediment and stuff kind of isolated at the bottom of the bottle and not floating around in, you know in the beer and uh, that some people I, that's with uh, typical um, capped bottles some people argue that if you have a corked bottle that should be on their sides you know I can see this is the way we we store our wine bottles right you put on the side and what's supposed to happen there is that that the cork doesn't dry out, right? The cork is, is being subjected to the liquid, so it keeps it wet and helps it from drying out and, and getting more um, oxygen and stuff into the, into the beer, into the wine. So uh, I don't know. I, I don't lay anything on the side. I, even my corked ones, I keep upright. I haven't had any issues yet with that. But, uh, you know, it makes sense that maybe you want to keep the, the cork wet and it, I, all I have to do is, I, I mean, all I want to recommend is if you do lay the cork bottles on the side or any beer on the side, before you drink it, at least maybe a week before you drink it, go ahead and put it up on its on its bottom and uh, just to give all that stuff to the ability to settle back to the bottom so it's not suspended in the, in the beer. Uh, that's what I recommend if you do that. So basically set your bottle in your stores location just forget about it don't move it around don't let your daughter play with it you know i i, I have a, a friend of mine that i bought that we um we bought the 12 12 12 vertical epic that beer was fantastic fresh i mean absolutely a dream and we each bought a bottle to age and so for a year he aged it and he put it in his coat closet uh, is it the ideal spot? No, but it was somewhere that was, you know, out of reach. Well, his daughter started crawling around. He left the coat closet open, and all of a sudden, he looks out, and she's rolling his bottle of beer <laughs> along the floor. He's like, no, 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 no. So he ended up putting it up uh, out of reach of her. But just try to keep it out of little hands. You know, you don't want to have them disturb your beer. That's generally a good rule for any beer, yeah. not just what you're selling. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Some storage location suggestions. Uh I have a mini fridge. The mini fridge is is used to serve my daily beer needs as well as housing as many of my cellar beers as I can. The problem is is that 
sometimes I've aged so many beers or, or I have so many beers that I can't keep everything, you know, in there. During the wintertime, I keep a lot of the beer I drink, you know, daily out in the garage because the garage stays at, you know, a, you know, 40 to 50 degrees pretty much. And it's perfect. I just go out there, grab a beer, and I drink it, no problem. Summertime, it's harder. So I can't, you know, I have to, in summertime, I have to keep all my beer in the, in the fridge. And, and that can become a, a challenge when if I'm aging a bunch of different bottles. So, uh, but mini fridges work great, even maybe having more than one mini fridge, maybe having one mini fridge for your cellaring and one for your daily drinking. Uh, I mean, that's what I'd like to have. I'm, I mean, I've really been thinking about doing that, uh, especially recently because I'm, I'm not kidding you. I have right now in my garage, I have about 50 beers in my garage because I can't, I mean, I just don't have enough room. I have so many wonderful beers to drink and it's no place to store them. Uh, another great place is in a basement. If you have an old school basement that stays pretty consistent temperature uh, and you're not heating all the time, right? If it's a, if it's a, a finished basement where you're you know you're doing a lot of uh, you know you're keeping it warm during the, the you know during the the winter, maybe it's not the best. But if you have a a back room of that basement that isn't you know used as much and keeps a consistent temperature, that's a great place just to set up a you know, make a little shelf system and just put your beers on the shelf uh, away from the windows, of course. Keep it dark. Uh, another great uh, option for cellaring. Um, and I, another one I've used, I don't do it right now because I can't get to my crawl space, but I used to put my beers in my crawl space. And I just had a box, and I'd lower the box into the crawl space, and then when I wanted, I'd pick it back up. And uh, But the problem is I actually found that I had forgotten that I had beers in my crawl space and i two years later i opened it up and i w- was surprised that i actually had <laughs> beers and uh so that was uh that, that can you know make sure that you you remember you have beers stored in your crawl space because you, it'd be a good surprise or a bad surprise and then hey if you don't have the money to buy a beer fridge you don't have a basement uh, you don't have a crawl space because you live in texas and you don't have any you know they're all slab foundations and hey have a couple bottles, put them in the back of your your regular fridge. Not in the door. Try to keep them out of the door of the fridge because that opens and closes all the time and it gets more light. But, you know, if you if, if all else fails, just put it in the back of your fridge and hopefully it won't get disturbed and, and your wife won't get too upset with you storing beer in the, in the main fridge. Do you have any other suggestions as far as storage, John? Does that pretty much cover it? Yeah, I think that pretty much covers it. I, I used the closet under the stairs uh, mm-hmm. for a long time. Uh, so we... Uh, redid our appliances in the kitchen. So then I took that old fridge and put it in the garage. Now that's my beer fridge. So um, now I'm, I've got everything in the fridge. Man, you're a lucky man. Big but, fridge uh, too. Nice. Yeah. Well, you know, I, it was part of the the rationale for yeah, we can do this because I'll okay. get the beer fridge out of it. You know. Okay. <laughs> All right. Good. Good thinking. Good thinking. All right. Moving on. Moving on up because I'm. Uh, I think I'm getting long winded here. I didn't mean to drag this on, but. Here's some a, a few suggestions for organizing your uh, seller inventory because a lot of times, and this is, I'm bad at this because I don't even follow these rules myself. These are rules I've I think about that I want to do, but I'm too damn lazy to do it. But hey, if I can help you guys overcome my laziness and actually have some organization, that would be great. So I'm going to tell you what I should do that I don't, but you guys should do because it just makes sense. Uh, label your bottles. Uh, with the date that you purchase it on, a lot of times, 
you may not, you know, nowadays a lot of bottles have dates on them when they are bottled, when, you know, you can find out. But there's still a lot of breweries that don't, you know, put good labels on there. So get a little label, a little piece of tape, you know, scotch tape or whatever, or masking tape, I guess, and just write the date. The date that you that you bought this beer, so you know exactly I bought it in this year, this month, and now you know how long you want to age it for because you'll forget. I, you know, I have a horrible memory; I forget. And if you bought multiple bottles of the same vintage year, then go ahead and put the date that you bought it, and then also put the date that you're expecting to drink it because nothing's worse than getting a beer and then drinking one and then forgetting that you drank the one and drinking another one like two months later when you wanted to age it maybe for six months more. So. You know, go ahead and put the date that you got bottled it and the, the date that you expect to drink it or what you want to plan to drink it just so you have more planning there. That's another thing I've fallen into is, you know, I just don't remember when I drink things. And, I, you know, I may drink two or three of the same beer when I wanted to actually age them. And then if you uh, if you can, try to document your beer cellaring somehow, like recording all the important information, like the beer name, the beer style the container size that you have, the date that you purchased it, the number of bottles you bought or, or you have stored, and in a date that you expect to taste them. And you can just have that in an Excel spreadsheet or even just a notebook. You can put it in a notebook and you can just keep track of it. And now you know exactly you have an inventory of your seller and you can go ahead and say, oh, you know what? This date is when I want to drink it and now it's that date or it's a you know maybe a, a month past. You can go ahead and drink it and then uh, mark it off your list and yeah, just just some hints for organization. Do you have anything? Uh, how do you organize your beer? Are you like me and just don't do anything and just wing it? Yeah, I don't do anything. I I don't feel like I have so much beer that I need to work to keep track of it at this point. Um, I maybe have six or ten, you know, that's sitting in the fridge. But I yeah. I know what's in there. Um, and um, I have a good idea when it's gonna be used so yeah yeah i've i've got like three different vintage years of the the shoots abyss i've got two or three different black butte uh, anniversaries i've got i mean i've got so many different things that i i don't know i just can't i i should organize it better so i can remember what i've drank what i haven't and what you know what's going on but eh, i'm lazy i probably should do more but i don't yeah <laughs> All right, John, let's talk about the expected tasting changes over time. And, and, and hopefully I wrote some things down here and uh, you, can, you can add to a list or, or maybe make some corrections on what I put on here. But uh, the first thing is that any – this is kind of a negative. Any fruity or floral flavors or aromas from, from the hop esters, they're going to decrease over time. So as we mentioned before, you pretty much don't want to age anything – that has that's an IPA that has a lot of hops in it that is flavorful, like you know aroma and 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 flavorful or dry hopped, because that stuff's gonna fall out right away. I mean, within two or three months after it's bottled, it's gonna start to drop off. And I I, I happen to have a very good example of this just to happen this week to me and just freaking piss me off because I I'm smarter than that, but I I assume that the people that are I'm buying beer from is, is paying attention to the shelf life. But I bought a stone beer, the collaboration called, I think it was Collective Disorder or something like that, Collective Distortion, something, some beer. It was an IPA. I bought it a week ago. And I assumed that it's a stone beer. It's an IPA. It's fresh. 
right? Because Stone works their asses off to make sure that they don't have any bad beer on the shelves. So I grab it. I go and pour it last week. I drink it, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, this beer tastes like – like hor- it was horrible. I muddled a muddled mess of, of just junk. And I'm like, what the hell is wrong with this beer? This is a horrible I- double IPA. I look at the bottle, and sure enough, there's a bottling date stamped on the thing saying it was bottled in May, like May 9th of 2014. It's six months old. I, and I'm like, what the hell are they selling a six-month-old beer, IPA, on this thing? I was furious because I got duped. I just paid eight bucks for a bottle of beer that wasn't fresh. And it was my own fault because I should know better. If I from, So from now on, when I buy an IPA, I'm checking the bottling date on it if it has it. I'm not going to be – if I'm going to pay good money for it, I don't want to be stiff that money because some dumbass found a, a case of this beer – uh, you know, stuck on the back shelf that they forgot to put out, and they put it out six months later, and I'm drinking crap. Any uh, comment on that, John? Uh, no, I mean, yeah, we've discussed. You know, hop hops are the first thing to fall out. Those the hop oils will break down, and and it's going to affect your bitterness as well. Mm-hmm. Your bitterness will will decrease, and that's going to enhance uh, all the the malt character yeah. in the beer. Yeah. Yeah, good good point. Good point. So as, as John mentioned last week in the in the freshness segment, the, the you know the beer will become oxidized. There's no way to keep it from oxidizing. It's going to do it over time, especially when you're aging it for a year or two. So you're going to get some of those flavors. And he mentioned last week cardboard and sherry; those will increase. And I don't know if we mentioned the metallic flavors last or character. No, I don't think we did. Yeah, cause, so sometimes you can get a, a metallic-y character to the to the beer too i i've i've had that when i've when i've cellared a beer that didn't have a that had some oxidation that that didn't have that 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 key that good flavor it had a little bit of a metallic flavor um dark fruit flavors here's some good things the dark fruit flavors or characters like uh, uh, fruits from that have like uh, flavors from currants and plums and raisins and prunes that those flavors will be more enhanced will increase as it ages um, and that's what I, again. That's, that's part of the reason I love that the shoots Black Butte Porter uh, anniversaries because it has a lot of dates and plums or prunes or whatever in it, and those flavors just come out very strong and, and it's really nice and pleasant. Um, there's also some bready malt flavors will increase. Uh, some any sweetness that you have from added honey or any toffee flavors will also increase, and then. Woody straw or earthy characters will will increase too. Is there anything else that uh, you can think of, John, that will will either be good or bad about an aging process? I think that pretty much sums it up. You know, expect hops to go down, malt to go up, and you know, hope that you get the good aspects of oxidation more of the sherry than the cardboard and the metallic. Okay, so. <laughs> excellent. All right. Well, on that note, because John just summed it all up that hey we're done with the brew buzz and that is our cellaring do's and don'ts brew buzz segment please comment add your experiences add any knowledge that we may have left out uh, and we'll for sure mention you on the show in our in our next episode okay John let's just uh, I hear a beard opening in the background you opening up your old Rasputin I am okay so hey listeners you heard it and uh, I'm gonna open mine right now. Oh, that was pretty weak. I hope my thing's not flat. It didn't, it didn't come out as as poppy as I wanted. But 
open up your old Rasputin's and pour it into a, a tulip glass if you have one. I think that's the the uh, optimal glass to drink this great Russian Imperial Stout from. So John and I are pouring ours right now. Oh my gosh, I'm. I'll, I'll let you know. I've been uh, this this bottle. Uh, this is a beer that I really enjoy drinking uh, a little bit on the warmer, not hot, but on the warmer side. Uh, I think the flavors really come out uh, a lot more when it's not straight out of the fridge. So um, this bottle has actually been sitting on my desk this whole time we've been recording, and I just now popped it open. No ice or nothing. Uh, it's still it's still chilled. You know, glass has still got a nice little uh, coolness to it, so it's not overly not room temperature by any means. It's still got a little bit of a chill to it. Yeah, I've been keeping mine. Uh without any kind of ice or ice pack or anything and yeah. a little tiny cooler uh, next to me. So it's warmed up a bit, probably not as much as yours, but uh, still not. It's warmer than straight out of the fridge. Yeah. So. Yeah. Good. So this is uh, old Rasputin and this is a, uh, this is from North coast brewing out of Fort Bragg, California. And the style, as we mentioned, is a Russian Imperial stout. And I just, I, I mean, I wrote some style notes here on what exactly a Russian, what you can expect from a Russian Imperial Stout. And typically, a Russian Imperial Stout will have rich and complex roasted malt aromas and flavor profiles. You're going to have a lot of darker malt flavors and aromas coming out of there. Uh, they can have notes of coffee, chocolate, or even uh, burnt notes like charred and, and, and kind of more burnt uh, notes. And it can be either anything from light to moderately strong. So... You know, it doesn't necessarily have to have a super in-your-face uh, strong character. It could actually have a little bit lighter, you know, coffee notes or, or burnt notes. Uh, there's also some dark fruit characters such as plums, raisins, and prunes. They can also be present. Uh, even, I didn't mention this on, I didn't write this down, but even licorice, right? You can have some licorice notes in there. Um, You'll make me sad that you can have it in there. <laughs> yeah, you're not a big licorice fan, huh? No, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not a big licorice fan either. But I'll tell you what, in and we'll talk about it in the review. But in in just the right amount, it's it's not bad. I mean, it's it's actually okay as long as it's not over overwhelming, in my opinion. John may have a different opinion. And we'll find out when we do our review. Uh, also, the alcohol character uh, can is going to be present. You're going to have some alcohol character, but it shouldn't be too sharp. Or too hot or too solventy, uh, it should be more you know mellow. You shouldn't that shouldn't be the 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 uh, overwhelming uh, flavor in the or you know you shouldn't have a, that overwhelmingly in, in the beer. Although I've had some that have been really bad. Uh, color ranges anywhere from dark reddish brown to jet black, and it usually has a tan to dark brown head. And typically because of all that. Uh, the, the malt and stuff in there uh, your, your head retention and lacing is, is pretty good uh, full full to heavy bodied anywhere from 8 to 12% ABV and uh, I think you know there's a limit there 8 to 12 I think because once you get above 12 you're typically going to be going more towards the darker barley wine type uh, beers you know once you get to the higher alcohol 14 to 16 uh, is typically considered a barley wine and John may say that's wrong, but I, that's what I kind of – I think that the better Russian Imperial Stouts are going to be in that, that range from 8 to 12. I, I do. I think the alcohol level is independent. I don't think it it depends on 
I don't think it, as it gets higher, you would classify it as a barley wine. I think it's a completely different beer. Okay. Uh, but okay. I also don't think that most barley wines you'll see are higher than 12. Um, but what? We can we can okay, have that we're gonna, discussion We're going to debate day. that another episode because I've had <laughs> lots of barley wines that are higher than 12. <laughs> but, hey, that's good. Let's do a barley wine section uh, in, the, in January for sure. Maybe even December if we can because uh, barley wines are coming out pretty strong right now so okay we'll we'll debate that on another episode yeah, we'll, we can table that one yeah <laughs> and overall impression this is uh, i got straight from uh from the beer judging whatever site what was that thing bc beer the the bjcp yeah beer judge certification program yeah yeah they say their overall impression is intensely flavored big dark ale roasty fruity and bittersweet with a noticeable alcohol presence Dark fruit flavors meld with roasty, burnt, and almost tar-like sensations. I just copied that straight from their little thing because I thought that was pretty well, you know, kind of gives a good summary of what you expect from a Russian Imperial style. You have any, anything you want to add to the, the that style? No, I think that sums it up pretty well. Okay. All right, John. Well, this beer is a 9% beast. I thought it was 10%, but I... I guess I was wrong. It's only 9%. It's uh, 75 IBUs. Um, the bottle, it typically comes in 12-ounce bottles. Uh, you can get it on draft. Uh, a lot of times people will have it on nitro, but I'm drinking it out of a 12-ounce bottle, and I'm drinking it in a tulip glass. So all my tasting notes are from, uh, I think, the preferred glass style. You know, Either a tulip or a snifter is, is great for this. Uh, and I'm going to say the coloring and I'm going first, John, because last time you were blaming me for just riding your your coattails, and I don't want to be riding <laughs> your coattails. I'm going to come right out here, and I'm going to tell you what I think, and then I will disagree with what you think because, yeah. Well, that's good because I'm doing this live because I don't have any notes because I was uh, I'm ill prepared for the podcast. So right. I, now I can ride your coattails. All right, all right, good, Rob. All right, <laughs> so um, I'm going to say this is black. The lighting in my house may not be the best, so I'm going to I'm going to just say, well, maybe it's a deep, the, like deep brown, as deep as you can get before being black. But it's pretty much black. How about you, John? Is yours black or is it deep brown? I would I would call it black. Okay, uh, good. What I've got here too. All right, right so. in my coattail. See, I told you. I knew you'd be yeah. black <laughs> with hints of mahogany. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. And the head, uh, it man, fantastic head. I I I had at least a two finger head. Maybe even three. It even came out of my glass. I mean, the head is just very strong head. It's got it's thick and creamy. Very small little tiny bubbles, uh, with a with dark tan head, or you could call it just tan head. But it seemed like a very like a darker tan head uh, with with good sticky lacing that stuck to the glass. You have anything else to add to that, or anything different that you're seeing on your tasting? Uh, just that I was more careful with my pores, so all my beer stayed in the glass. So that's all. <laughs> did mine pour out oh you said your your head came out of the glass that's no, you... it, it came out of the top but it was so thick it's it stood up oh, above okay. the, the glass okay i misunderstood yeah it so. was look at my uh untapped photo you can see it you know popping up like a volcano out of the top of the glass it's pretty awesome that's that's a sign of a fantastic head when it can just rise right out of the glass and not even overflow i'm going to describe my nose so i'm i'm drinking right now so i'm taking a, a sniff 
I'm going to stick with my with my initial nose is uh, I get a lot of chocolate with uh, you know like a uh, like a espresso dark roasted malt uh, aroma uh, out of my nose. What do you get for your nose, John? So I get uh, I get the chocolate uh, and roasty malt. I I get some some alcohol uh, sharpness out of the nose as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little stinging if you take too big of a of a whiff. I'm not really picking up uh, the coffee aspect, and I think I get a little a little sweetness in the background, maybe from uh, a little dark fruit character uh, back there. Okay, I can see that. I can see that. Yeah, yeah. You you know, I'm drinking this one warmer than my last one, and you're right. I I think I I I can smell the more alcoholy. And I don't smell as much of the of the coffee uh, as I did when it was colder. I think maybe maybe something when it was colder, it, it, I was able. It was more sharper maybe on the on the coffee. But you're right. Yeah, it could be that, or or maybe as it warmed, something is covering that up. Something yeah, something that's going to be stronger um, is covering that up. Okay. So. All right. So going into to my first sip, I'm going to sip it right now. Hmm. A little swiss through my mouth. Mm. Uh, I get, I get a lot of chocolate. I get dark chocolate, not the uh, semi-sweet or the uh, the milk chocolate, but more of the the bitter chocolate, uh, like a like a cocoa bean with like an un, unsweetened cocoa bean. I also get right after that, I get this uh, this you know rich dark uh, in my face uh, malt flavor. Uh, it's really like a I don't know. I'm going to say it's a strong coffee. I guess it's also called espresso <laughs> uh, malt flavor uh, that that pretty much overwhelms the the after after the initial flavor. The the next thing I get after the initial is is pretty much a lot of coffee. But the initial pretty much for me is a lot of chocolate. Uh, yeah, the, I think the chocolate is the is the strongest uh, flavor here. Um, I get a lot of that roast. Um, I'm still not picking up, uh, or at least attributing it to coffee. Um, it's more, um, I don't know, like a, a dark, really dark toast. Kind yeah. Of. Yeah. Um, it, not, not necessarily, uh, like a coffee. Yeah. I, so again, it's not as strong the warmer it is and uh, I think I attribute a lot of that it, when it was colder. When it's drank colder, you tend I, I there's a lot of bitterness to the, this beer, and the bitterness comes across like it's like I'm drinking a like a, a cold iced latte or you know iced uh, espresso or something right that's got that okay. that coffee bitterness. What, now that I'm drinking this pretty warm, it's still got a little chill too, but not cold at all by any means. It's a lot mellower, and I don't have as much of it, but it's still that bitterness is what I'm was what I'm attributing to the the coffee bitterness that you'd get with black coffee, like a, a strong espresso. So maybe it's just that's what yeah I'm, yeah, and that can also come from the the dark chocolate kind of character as true, well. True, because um, dark chocolate is is pretty bitter. Um, but uh, yeah, I yeah. Per, as it's coming across to me right now from someone who's been drinking all day, I'm not getting a lot of coffee. Um, but I, I am getting a, a little bit of sweetness in the background. Yes. Um, it might 
it's not really fruity. Uh, it's maybe more like a toffee kind of character. Um, but uh, it's not. I, I really kind of have to search for it. It's not not really uh, jumping out. Okay. So. All right, my for the body. Uh, I'm still gonna stick with the, it's a, it's a I mean it's a full to heavy body, but I'm gonna say more heavy. Uh, colder for sure, very heavy. Warmer, it's not as heavy or as viscous as it was when it was colder, but it still is a definitely a I would say a full body at warm, heavy body at cold. Why it's heavier cold, I don't know, but that's what I got. And uh, mouthfeel is uh, is 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 very good. It, I mean it's not. I wouldn't say it was. Uh, well. I don't think it's leaving a. It's leaving something on the back of my tongue, but it's not filling my whole mouth with, with whatever. Right? I, I can, I can definitely feel the, the bitterness on my on the back of my tongue, but it's not, uh, unpleasant. What What about you for the body? Uh, yeah, definitely very full body, uh, very thick. Um, I think it definitely coats the tongue. Yeah. Uh, it's. Yeah, you won't mistake this for water. If, no, no. If no. You, in, by any stretch of the imagination, it's uh, it's about as thick as it comes um, in in terms of a of a beer. Okay. So, um, yeah, it's. But I, I don't think that's unpleasant. Um, no, not at all. I think it. You know, it while it coats the tongue, it doesn't. Uh, it's not. It's not in a in a harsh manner or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, it just feel like you have something there mm-hmm. um as as you go yeah yeah all right so now going down the finish line with the finish i'm gonna i'm just gonna read what i put on here uh because this is what it is if you drink it cold and i'm not necessarily getting the same effect as it's like a lot warmer but i my initial when drinking cold I'm, and this is what i think most people are going to drink it they're going to drink it more on the colder side. So I'm going to give my opinions there. Uh, it was, uh, it's nice roasty malt flavor in the finish. It has a slight alcohol burn. I will tell you this, the alcohol burn is a lot less warm, in my opinion. Now, John, you may disagree, but I think that the alcohol burn is a lot less now drinking it than it was earlier. Yeah, I'm actually, you know, for what I picked up in the aroma, I'm not really getting it in the flavor at all. It's not, uh, yeah, it's not coming across and in a harsh way at all it, it could be part of that sweetness i'm picking up but yeah. uh that yeah it's really really not present yeah uh, yeah to, to any um significant degree okay yeah I, I also said it was uh that that alcohol burn especially when it was cold it was accentuated by the mild sweetness and like you said there is a sweetness to the to it uh very mild though and it also when it was cold now let me take a sip real quick because I want to make sure if I taste this or not, and maybe you will let me know. Mm. But I did taste uh, like a little bit in the finish, a very lingering bit of licorice flavor, but uh, but not overwhelming. And I'm not sure I taste it right now, but I don't know. What Do you taste any licorice? In the finish at all? Any any mild or even slight licorice? Uh, no, I would have stopped a while ago if I had. Okay, <laughs> I, I kid. No, but no, I don't. I don't pick any of that up. Okay, uh, currently. So. So again, maybe it was, a, you know, something when it, you know the flavors are coming out. 
when it was uh, at a colder temperature. Now, I, I tried, you know, I poured this, I took this out of the f- fridge, I poured it in the glass, I let it sit for, you know, 10 minutes before I started drinking it. But for some reason, this thing just didn't cool down. You know, it was a room temperature glass and a, and a beer that was, uh, you know, maybe colder than normal because it's cold out, you know, outside, but, uh, but nothing too cold. But it seemed like it stayed cold for a long time. I think if I drink this beer normally, I want it to be sitting out for an hour like I just did because it's so much better, I think, the warmer it is. I think when it's cold, it brings out harshness. It brings out flavors or, or something that, that, that people may dislike more because, <laughs> like I said, there was a – at the end of the – you know, the lingering flavor at the very end of my, on the back of my tongue was like this kind of licorice hint. And now I, I don't necessarily taste that, that hint when I'm drinking it warmer. So so for yeah, what, it's, what it's worth, that's my opinion. <laughs> yeah, so everyone listening that just pulled theirs out of the fridge to taste along with us and is upset that Denny just said it's better warm, uh, just cup your glass for a while and warm yeah. it up yeah. <laughs> before you continue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, put it in your crotch. It'll warm up quick. <laughs> crotch beer. Oh, but, uh, but you know what? Honestly, even when it was cold – this beer is is pretty smooth for such a potent, you know, for nine percent beer. This beer is, is actually pretty smooth, and and the warmer it gets, it's even smoother. Do you agree or disagree with the smoothness? Oh, uh, yeah, I think it's it's easy to drink considering everything that's going on. And, yeah, uh, in this beer. So all right, and uh, John, do you recommend this beer for anyone new to craft beer? Uh, I would not recommend this to people who are in there. They're just getting into it. Infancy. No, I, I think it's, it can be really intense. Uh, yeah. A lot of that bitterness could be really off-putting yeah. um, from the, the darker malts and and uh, such. But, uh, I mean, if, if somebody's got it near you, don't hesitate to ask for a sip or yeah. you know, ask for a little, a small pour. You know. So. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, I yeah, I think that this would wreck a new, a new person to you know in their infancy of craft beer, their palate would be just overwhelmed with flavor. And again, it's not because of the bad beer; it's because anyone coming to craft beer from what they you know what they ex- expect from the beers that they drank regularly, uh, it's going to shock them, and it's not going to be something that maybe they're going to enjoy. Uh, they have to build up to this beer. I don't recommend Russian Imperial Stouts for any new person. Uh, wait till you get more experience and your palate, you know, understands how to co- comprehend all these flavors and enjoy them before diving into it, you know, by buying a four pack of this because it might wreck you. So the recommended glassware, as far as I'm concerned, tulip or snifter. I'm, I, you know, I pretty much go tulip all the way because I only have a couple. I, most of my snifters are broken, so I only have <laughs> tulips now. And I would recommend snifter completely for this one. Which is what I'm drinking out of right okay. now. Okay. So. All right. Okay. No problem. This is a, a, anything that'll that'll uh, you know curve that that glass right in and and focus everything in for your for your nose. So. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, you know what? I think I I'm kind of drinking out of a snifter too. It's kind of like a a mid snifter tulip. <laughs> so it's kind of like a, a hybrid. All right, I'm go. gonna I'm gonna uh, rate this highly recommended, and you should add it to your wish list if you are a, a connoisseur of craft beer. What about you, John? Yeah, I definitely recommend it. And 
even if you're not a connoisseur, uh, write it down as something to try once you get, you know, more into the to the craft beer scene, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, don't m- make sure you pick it up. Don't uh, let it just sit there on the store shelf. Uh, <laughs> try yeah. it out. All right. Excellent. All right. Well, that's the end of our Brew Buzz segment. And I hope you guys all enjoyed our listener tasting notes for episode nine. I hope you weren't disappointed in uh, in your your beer tasting. All right. So that uh, brings the show close to an end. But hey, before we get we get done here, do you, John, do you have anyone you want to raise your glass to or give a cheers out this week? I do. Uh, so a uh, listener who sent us some questions, uh, Yojimbo2000, uh, jumped in with me and fed my destiny habit, uh, oh. my addiction. Uh, so he, he ran some strikes with me, and we talked a little beer. And so uh, he mentioned he, he really likes when we do the tasting stuff. So I hope uh, this episode um, hit the spot for him and helped him out. Uh, so thanks for listening, and, and hope this one uh, hit the spot for you. All right. Yes, I agree. Thank you, David, for listening. Uh, you you are one of our uh, better, uh, more active listeners for sure. You and SpongeBobby's are like all over the questions, so we really appreciate it. Anything else, John? Anyone else? I think that's it for me. Okay. Uh, I just want to do a shout-out uh, and a little cheers to Hophead Hardware, uh, provider of fine glassware. John, have you had a chance to try out your Hophead Hardware glasses? Uh, that I'm using their snifter right now. Right on. All right. So that's must be that's a sign of a of a good glass there. John's using it for his for his tasting notes. So I have not yet received uh, any glassware, but hey, as soon as we do, we're going to be uh, doing a little bit of uh, you know our impressions of of the glassware and and letting you guys know you know what it what it can do to enhance your beer tasting experience. Just want to shout out Jimmy from from Hophead Hardware and. And uh, we'll hope to get this glassware in my hands soon. I also want to shout out and do lift my glass up to uh, maybe maybe a couple new listeners. Uh, Erica and Sean from the Light Party Podcast. They live here right down the street from me somewhere, and you know they, uh, you know she was starting up their own podcast and that has some audio issues. So I was trying to help her out, and uh, you know so I'm I told her hey you know you should check out our podcast because I know that that uh, her boyfriend enjoys good craft beer and she does too. So I thought maybe they might be able to, to enjoy our, our show. So, Hey, Eric and Sean, if you're listening, thank you for listening. And uh, maybe one day we'll meet up and, and have a beer together. I'd also like to thank open forum radio network for supporting the show and for providing the hosting space at openforumradio.com. And also just like, like always, I have to shout out all the servicemen and women out there. I want to raise my glass and thank all, thank you all for, for serving and for protecting our freedoms. I want you guys to return home safely to your families as soon as possible. And if you would like to contact the show, you can reach us through email at tapthecraft at gmail.com. Or you can follow us on Twitter at tapthecraft. Or leave comments on the show post at openforumradio.com or Google+. Just search for Tap the Craft. And you can follow me personally on Twitter, Instagram, and Untapped at Loose Screw. And on Google+, at Denny Loose. And John, how can listeners follow you? So on Twitter, uh, at Prime Brewing. Uh, on Untapped, at Prime WA. 
And uh, I sporadically write about my homebrewing exploits at uh, homebrewengineer.com. All right. Excellent. And are you going to be uh, putting up an article about your uh, new brew that you're brewing today? I will. Uh, I'm I've, I'm trying now to uh, put up the articles after I've been able to taste the beers. Uh, so <laughs> the one today, uh, peanut butter porter, a little tease. That will go out probably in about a month. Um, I'm prepping a couple of posts, uh, including a beer that I brewed in under an hour and a half. So oh, that one's yeah. going to be up there soon. So nice. uh, keep an eye out for that. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. Can't wait. All right. Well, hey. Oh, as I burp. It's last call. That's a and, good sign. Uh, That's last yeah. call. <laughs> yeah. These uh, these 9% beers uh, go down. You know, it goes down pretty good because I pretty much just finished that sucker. And uh, now I need to drink some water before I, uh, you know, pass out from uh, dehydration. But it's uh, it's time to call bring the show to a close. And we want to thank all of our listeners for downloading and listening to the show. And we hope you were able to find something useful. And we welcome you to subscribe to the show on iTunes or Stitcher Radio. And just a reminder, we release a show every two weeks. And that's it for this episode. Now remember, friends don't let friends drink light yellow fizzy beer. Quality beer can be enjoyed by all. So spread the word and convert the beer ignorant. Shaver from Open Forum Radio here. I want to go ahead and take a second to say thank you for checking out this episode of Tap the Craft. And I would like to encourage each of you to check out some of the other shows that we have here on the Open Forum Radio Podcast Network. Uh, we'll start it off with the original Open Forum Radio, The 40 Cast, Prove Your Point, Geeks for the Win, I Recommend, My Peanut Gallery, The Married Gamers, Some Other Castle, Gamer Husbands Radio, The OMG Hour, Gamers Unscripted, just press start, platform junkies, and jobbers on the mic. Hey, be cool. Give a great review to all the shows you like on iTunes, Podbay, Stitcher, everywhere you can give reviews. Review every show five times, and you are officially a good listener. Also, go ahead and visit openforumradio.com. Links to all the different shows. Uh, like the Open Forum Radio Facebook page. And uh, take a second, if you like playing games online and with people and are cool, to uh, go ahead and look at Zabari's Gamer Information Spreadsheet. Fully useful information that will do nothing but enhance your online gaming experience. All right, folks, take it easy. Have a good day.